Father, we worship you and we praise you. We thank you, God, for who you are. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your grace and your mercy, God. I thank you that when we seek you, we find you. Simple as that. You've stated that, that if we seek you, we'll find you. Because, Father, we desire nothing but you this morning. I mean, honestly, nothing but you any time. But nothing but you right now. We seek you. Father, look at our hearts. Search our hearts. All those here, all those online, all those that even watch this in the future. Search our hearts because you know the heart. And you know when we seek you and when we don't. So, Father, we have an expectation of finding you because you said we would. I know your Holy Spirit has been here all throughout worship. And that last song, Father, is a declaration of our hearts. Refine us. Refine us by your fire because we trust you. We trust who you are. We trust what you do. We trust when you say that you have nothing but good intended for your children. We trust you. No matter what. No matter the times in which we find ourselves. We trust you. We love you. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Quite a week. It's been a week, hasn't it? For those online, I'm going to give you a little update as to what's gone on this past week. Um, you, some of you may know, may not know. Um, and then get into some of the things that you do know. Uh, but we'll talk about that for a minute as well. And then the Lord has given me two passages this morning. (laughs) So often he has been showing us what's going on. And I bring it out through the Old Testament. And I said to him, Lord, can I bring something out in the New Testament that still fits what you are saying? And sure. He said, I'm the God yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He doesn't change who he is. He doesn't change what he says and, and what we are to believe. So, But before that, I want to take you through a couple days this last week just to update you. Tuesday night, we had the police come again. Um, and I want to say something about the police, the county police, because they were here again this morning. And I want to say uh, for any of them that are listening and for all those who are not the police as well, how much I appreciate them. I appreciate their professionalism. I appreciate their hearts. I appreciate the fact that they have a very difficult job to do. And I'm not just talking about coming here and talking to us. I'm talking about what they do every day. 
They have to do things that they don't want to do, they don't like to do. They have to face situations that are extremely difficult to face. And so I just want to publicly say thank you to them. Every single one that has come here, and we've had six, every single one that has come here has been absolutely professional and courteous and kind. I also point out that three of the six that came here were the same last name. (laughs) How'd that happen? I don't know. They're not related, by the way. I did ask. But I am appreciative of them. They did come Tuesday night to give us another warning. Another warning of what the state says the, that we are supposed to be doing. And I received that warning, appreciated that warning. It doesn't change who we are. It doesn't change what we believe I'll speak for myself, although I know I speak for all those here, that we will be obedient to the Lord because it is he that leads us. It's not anything else. Shortly after they left Tuesday night, then the press showed up. Now, this is a little bit new for me. I'm not used to that, but... ABC News, Action News showed up and and asked what was going on. And I I bring this out. I know most people have seen, seen the clip on Action News last Tuesday night. And we've heard from so many people on it as well. But I I, want to say this, too. I want to thank Bob Brooks. He's a reporter there. He's the reporter that showed up at the door. He's the one who did the piece, him and his, his cameraman. And I want to thank him because I felt he was fair. I felt he gave both sides. That's not a lot. It doesn't happen a lot nowadays. And so I wanted to point that out, and I wanted to be thankful that he showed both sides. So that was Tuesday night. Then Tuesday night, right after service, Alexa and I and the the two girls went down to D.C. for Wednesday. We went down and stayed the night, Tuesday night, and then there were four others from Ignition that met us there the next day. And we were there for the rally down in D.C. We were there, and I wish I could say we could hear it, but there were so many people there. (laughs) There were so many people there. I mean, to hear the press and say the thousands and tens of thousands of people, that's not even close. Try hundreds of thousands, and I believe well over a million people that were there. I have been in concerts, you know, field concerts, where there were close to 100,000 people. And this dwarfed that. Dwarfed it. I mean, we were down there, and, and we were... I mean, I thought we'd get close, but we were so far away we couldn't really hear, except they put a repeater up and we could kind of hear that a little bit. So we were part of this rally. We were part of this idea of what God wants to do with this country. About revealing, about transparency, about holding accountable Those who would do wrong, especially those in leadership, you know, God holds them more accountable 
You understand that, right? In the word of God, leaders are held more accountable for what they do. Certainly in the church. But it's no different in our government. Shouldn't be any different in our government. That's what we were at this rally for. Because, and I'm going to speak for just myself for a second. I'm not a political pundit. I'm not on some talk show. I'm not someone who gives an opinion and is paid for it. I am Joe Public. I'm about as Joe Public as you can get. Don't make a whole lot of money. Love what I do. Love my family. Love my country. Believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God and as my Savior. So as Joe Public, I was there for that reason because my rights, my rights were being denied. What I believe, again, I'm just going to speak for myself, but I, I believe I speak for probably 74 million other people. What I believe happened was being stripped away, was being stolen. And what we went there for was to show support of that very thing. And I believe all the people there did the same thing. It was extraordinary because standing in that crowd, you see all sorts of types of people. You know, not every conservative is like me. Not every conservative is like you. And I'll tell you the biggest thing that I noticed in standing in that crowd, because I couldn't hear what was being said, so I'm listening to what's around me and just looking and observing and and I just felt, Lord, there's so many here that they understand liberty. They understand freedom. But they don't know you. They don't know you. They don't know the real freedom that comes from you. And Satan is trying to do the very thing that would keep them from that. And so my heart broke in so many ways. And then when, when that was, I, I want to say maybe he was halfway through his speech or maybe three quarters of the way through or something like that, we started to walk toward the Capitol like everyone was going to. And we, we were with a whole bunch of people. And, and I want to give from Joe Public's point of view what it was. As we're walking down the road, Alex, you'll remember, what did we sing? He's saying Star Spangled Banner. You know, we're walking down there and then there were, I, I think there was a, 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 a hymn we sang too. I can't remember which one that was. But we're singing on the way down. The sentiment was, hear us. Hear us. We weren't speaking to the governmental leaders because they've already closed their ears. We were speaking to God. We were crying out to God, hear us. Hear us for the unfair treatment of what you have done is now being stolen away. So when we got to the Capitol, the Lord graciously 
took us back to the house. Where the house when, which where we were staying was just a couple blocks from the Capitol. And thank the Lord for having to go to the bathroom. <laughs> so the Lord took us away and we went back to the house. And when we went back to the house, that's when everything happened. I got to tell you, I'm not sure how I'd react if I was there. I'm not sure how I would have reacted. I know I wouldn't have gone in the Capitol, but I'm not sure how I would have reacted. My feeling is, if I was at the front, I would have tried to keep people from going inside. But I don't know if I would have. Because let me tell you the truth of it. You hear all kinds of sides to this story about you know, breaking the sanctity of that house and what they did. And I'm not condoning in any way what they did. I don't even know who they are. I did see the people that I saw pictured on pictures. I saw that buffalo guy, whatever he was. We all saw him. He stood in the middle of the road as the whole crowds are coming down and he's chanting something. Wasn't really sure. But I'm not talking about those particular people. I don't know who they are. They could be Antifa. They could be Trump supporters. They could be somebody who worked on my car. I don't know. But I can tell you one thing. That what they did was literally a result of God pulling his hand of protection away from that building. Let me tell you why I believe that. Because just three days prior, something that I have never heard before, maybe it's happened before, but I've never heard it. It's never been as public as it was this time. But the opening prayer for Congress, the 117th Congress of this nation, the opening prayer was blasphemy. Now, I know what you're thinking, at least online, you might be thinking, well, it's not that bad to say amen or a women. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about at all. I'm talking about when that congressman, and I believe he's a pastor as well. Is that right, a preacher? When that congressman said to the God, and this God, and that God, and every other God, he dedicated not only his prayer, understand what this was. He dedicated the 117th Congress to all gods. I don't know about you, but when I heard that, this feeling came over me of awe. Because, see, God has said he will have no other gods before him. Now, that doesn't mean that from the very beginning he cuts it out. Look at Israel. Look at Israel when they started believing in other gods. Did he go and chastise them immediately, go and stop it immediately because they didn't know what they were doing? No, he let them go. And eventually he took his hand of protection away. See, we've had other gods in this nation for decades. 
They're being sacrificed to every single day with the death of each unborn child in the womb. And yet, I believe God came to the point where he has said, I will no longer place my hand of protection on this place. So was it desecrated? Yeah. But it was desecrated three days before those people went in and broke some windows. And whatever they did, stole some laptops. I don't, I don't know what all they did. It was desecrated before that. The people that broke in there and did that should be held accountable. But so should the leadership that has allowed the desecration of this country of 320 million people that they are the covering for. They are and they will be held accountable. I declare it in Jesus' name. What is coming is a transparency that this nation has never seen before. You watch. And it's not coming in years. It's not coming in months. I don't believe it's coming in weeks. I believe it's coming. Any moment. And when that transparency comes, it will be followed by an accountability. It won't be this nation holding them accountable. God may use tools in this nation to do it. I I don't know how he'll do it. But trust me, it is God that will be holding them accountable. Because he is the one that they've defamed. He's the one that they have blasphemed. He will hold them accountable. And as believers, man, I just want to encourage the believers here and the believers that are watching online, I want to encourage you. God loves you. He will not allow that love to be stained. There comes a point when his children cry out. Remember he said, when you seek me, you're going to find me. Right? There comes a point where his children's Seeking him and crying out for justice comes a point where his justice is no longer held back for the sake of grace. We're at that point. The Lord has shown that to his prophets. I've said it. You know I've said it. Don't listen to me. You have your own Chance at relationship with Jesus Christ. No different than me. Go to him and ask him. He will not tell you any differently. He'll tell you what's coming. He uses his prophets to let his children know what is coming. And trust me. (laughs) It's not in control with Biden or Democratic Senate or Democratic Congress, or Democratic major cities. They have no control. Watch who has the control. Because we are at a time in man's existence 
where it is time for the bride to become ready, to become ready for her groom. And at that point, he hears that remnant. He hears his children that cry out for him. And certainly he will answer. He's going to answer in a way that's going to rock this nation. You know, he told me that he loves this country. But he said that he would destroy this country if it weren't for his remnant. Notice what he said. Not because of his children. Because you could be a child of God and ignore God. You could be saved and ignore him. I can have a child who hates me. They're still my child. Run from me. Run away from home. Whatever. They're still my child. But they're not close to me. He would have destroyed this nation if it weren't for those in this nation that are close to him. And I I just, I'm thankful for those people. I'm thankful for those. And nobody knows who they are except God. I can tell you that more times than not, there are going to be people that you don't know. They're not people that have a voice. Because if we had a voice, we probably wouldn't find ourselves in this position. But God is rising them up. He is because of his love. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 10. We were there, I want to say two weeks ago, but I want to continue from that point. You know, we talked about Not neglecting meeting together in verse 24 and 25, you know, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day, the day, which is talks about of Jesus's return drawing near. Well, you know, it's pretty easy to say that we're closer to his return now than we were 2000 years ago when this was written. Right. So as much as it applied then, (laughs) I think it applies even more now. Right. And I'm not going to go through that again. We already did that a couple of weeks ago. But I want to start at verse 26. Because this is something that the bride likes to sidestep, move away from. Verse 26. For if we go on sinning deliberately, after receiving the knowledge of truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. But a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Okay, let me stop there a second. Because if, if you just read this on the surface, you're going to miss a lot of things here. Okay? What he is talking about is building relationship with Jesus Christ. What he is talking about is recognizing who Jesus is. And building that intimacy with him. He didn't say, if you go on sinning, period. Because, see, we live in sinful flesh. We live in fallen flesh. 
I thank the Lord that one day we will have a glorified body which is no longer under this, this curse. But fact of the matter is, we live under that curse right now for this moment. What he says is, if you go on sinning deliberately, in other words, something that you know is sin and you choose to do it anyway, I don't need to point out what this is, because it, it could be many things. But what I can point out is, as a child of God, the Holy Spirit places in your heart, we call it a conscience, right? We call it conviction. We're convicted of sin, and we have a choice. We can either build a buffer over that sin to where it doesn't hurt so much anymore because we're kind of ignoring it, and then does it make it go away? No, it just makes us kind of compartmentalize it. Or we can ask God to purge it, recognize it for what it is, ask forgiveness, understand the authorities behind it, and let God deal with us on that. But it's a sin that we know. It's something that we recognize. You know, and it, it, it's not hard to know what those things are. If, 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 you're, if you're dealing with pornography and, and you have a temptation and you know it's wrong to have done that, but then by choice you do it again, that's what it's talking about. You know, you're aware. Now thank God for his forgiveness. Do you know there's nothing that breaks Sin like that. There's nothing that breaks habits like that more than God and the presence of relationship with him. Because he wants to. We just have to let him. So it's talking about deliberate sin that we understand, that we know. After receiving the knowledge of the truth. In other words, the truth of that sin. When you have heard, it, by the way, it doesn't say after receiving and agreeing with the knowledge of truth. It doesn't say that. See, it is not a prerequisite for you to agree with truth for it to be truth. Well, that's not how I believe. So what? Because there is one God. He is the one that judges. He is the one that knows your heart. He is the one that gave his son for the forgiveness of sin. Not any of us. You could fool us. You could fool your friends. I could fool you. To a point. But it's not about that. It's about the fact that when he speaks... The knowledge of truth. We're made aware of that truth. And then we turn against that truth. That is deliberate sin. That is sin by choice. And he says, when you go on sinning deliberately, knowing that you have been told the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. What does he mean by that? It's because... The Old Covenant and the New Covenant were different in how they operated. When they operated under the law, they would go in periodically for their consecration of sin. 
They would do it personally. They would do it as a, as a nation, nation of Israel. Now, I'm not, not exactly sure. I didn't live back then. I'm not in their brain. I, I don't know exactly how their thought process worked. That, well, I, I gave my sacrifice for sin, so I'm clean now. So I could go out and choose to sin again because I know coming next month I'm going to have this opportunity to lay down this sacrifice again because God said he'll accept it. And he did. <laughs> he did. See, we think it became so much easier when Jesus came and completed the law. But that's not true. Because, see, in the law, there was no requirement for being close. There was no requirement for relationship. Just like there's no requirement today for relationship. But if you want to be close, if you want to have intimacy with him, then there has to be that relationship. Back then, it might have been different. Or maybe that's how we think today. Well, I I asked forgiveness, so I'll just do it again because I'll ask forgiveness again. He promises to forgive. And he does. He'll forgive you every time you ask. But see, that's not what the problem is. The problem is that when we do this, we dig ourselves in deeper and deeper and deeper. And that deliberate sin becomes a deliberate avoidance of God. Why? Because our heart's convicted. Our heart heard the truth. We know the truth. And we're convicted of the truth. We don't want to feel that hurt. We don't want to feel that shame. We don't want to feel that angst anymore. So then we start to avoid God. And he said, there's no more sacrifice for sin. In other words, all there is is forgiveness and asking for forgiveness. If you start to avoid God, there's nothing else you can do. So when we deliberately do this, verse 27, he said, you can expect a fearful expectation of judgment and a fiery and a sorry and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Don't be confused what this says. Because I grew up my whole life understanding that this meant hell. This doesn't mean hell. Read closer. It's the fire that will consume the adversaries. If you don't know what that is, keep your eyes open for the next couple of months. You're going to see it. You're going to see the Holy Spirit come down in fire that will consume the adversaries, those who do not love God, those who are against Him. And what He's saying here, who wrote the, the one who wrote Hebrews, who I believe is Paul, but what He is saying here, is that if you don't, well, let me put my glasses back on. If you don't have this deliberate move of staying away from sin, then you can expect the same thing that's going to hit everybody else. God's judgment. Now, I will say I'm 56 years old. 56. I'm 56 years old. 
And I can tell you, in my lifetime, I have not experienced on a national level or a global level the judgment of God that we are about to see. Nobody has. In, in my lifetime, it hasn't happened. doesn't mean there hasn't been judgment. Of course there has. But not on the scale that we're about to see. Why? Because it is time to ready the bride. It is time for the bride to become ready for her groom. So what he's saying here is if you, if you, if you know to do good and you don't, and you deliberately sin, why would you expect to be held back from the judgment that's going to hit those that the Lord judges because they hate him? Because they bring a falling to his children. He said, you should expect it. Verse 28, anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much more punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace? Whew. God's plan is not for us to be afraid of him. That's not what this is. If you are afraid of God, it is because you don't know him well enough. Now, if you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior, yeah, be afraid. Be afraid. If you even know Jesus Christ as Savior and you blaspheme his name, in other words, you say that he is responsible for something that he is not. You're saying that he is responsible for sin. You hear it all the time. And sadly, you hear it from people in Congress all the time. But yeah, those people should probably be afraid. Because, see, God is a God of the Old Testament. He's a God of the New Testament. He's simply God. He's the same. He's always been the same. If you want to understand what it looks like to fall under his justice, you can look at what has happened in the Old Testament because there's hundreds and probably thousands of examples. But if you say that, well, that's not the God that he is anymore because we're under a new covenant, you may as well throw out the book of Hebrews that we just read. In fact, you, you may as well throw out two-thirds of the whole New Testament. Because God promised this day was coming. He promised that he would come for the sake of his remnant, for the sake of his children. He promised. And, and the thing that I want to encourage you with is you have a choice. Everybody has a choice. He is not looking at you and saying, thumbs up, thumbs down, right? Oh, they're a terrible person. Get them out of here. You know, they're my child. They'll get to have heaven, but forget it. You know, they're done here. He doesn't do that. Thankfully, he said he looks at the heart. He looks at a heart that's hungry for him. Because I understand what it means to be locked into sin and you don't want to be. That's what an addiction is. 
whether that be drugs, whether that be alcohol, pornography, whatever, doesn't matter. You can be locked into something you don't know how to get out of, but yet your heart wants to get out. Your heart wants Jesus Christ, wants that intimacy, wants those walls that are put up between you and Him because of sin, wants those torn down. That's what He looks at. That's what His justice comes to bring. It paves a way for those who don't know how to reach Him in that intimacy to finally get there. Finally see Him for who He is. Because He is love. He is absolute love. And His love demands love in return. That's where his justice comes in. And you know, I'm, I'm, I was going to go to another passage, but I, I'm, I'm not going to right now. I just want to, before I close, I just want to encourage you, and especially those online, don't be afraid of the times that we're in. Don't be afraid if you have to stand. Because you will. Everybody will have a choice. We've had a choice here. Don't be afraid of that. Understand what you're fighting for. It's what I told the police officer this morning. I said, do you understand that what we're doing on Sunday morning and Tuesday night in unity is the most powerful and best thing that can be done for this country? I I would tend to say we're the most patriotic, those who would come together in unity and pray and pray. Now, we're just a small group here. Can you imagine what would happen if the whole bride would do that? If the whole bride would just go before the Lord and say, your will be done. We want you. See, that is patriotic. That is taking it back to what the root of this country was supposed to be in the first place. Not tribute to any God. If I look on my dollar bill, I, I don't think it says, in God's we trust. Right? It says, in God we trust. And if you know, if you want to know what God that is, you could go back to the forefathers, even before the forefathers. Go look at William Penn, who was the first one to draft any kind of governmental structure to this land. That's what everything we have is built off of. Look at his life. I know I've studied his life. I know that he would go for days into the woods and pray just to be alone with God. Because the calling that God had on his life was more than he could bear. So he had to have that intimacy. He had to have that time with him because without God's strength, he couldn't do it. See, those are our roots. Those are our roots. This nation is one nation under God. It will continue that way. And not because Donald Trump is the Savior. He's not. Ask him. He'll tell you he's not. (laughs) It's not because of that. 
but he is a tool that God is using. It's because God's going to do it. And we're going to see that it's God. God's not going to share the glory with anybody else. No human. Not even his children. It's going to be his hand. Because he wants our attention. But guys, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. The, the projection of this nation is no different than what God started four years ago. And it will continue. Donald Trump will continue as president. Don't ask me how. Wish I knew. I keep asking God and he, 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 won't, he won't tell me. My, I have all these awesome guesses too. Well, what about this? What about that? And I could just imagine him laughing, thinking, you'll never understand. Because, see, it's him that does it. I do know there's a transparency coming. All the things that have been done in secret and in hiding will be shown. They will be made transparent. Why? Because they have to be held to account. The sad thing is, in many ways, they're already known. <laughs> I mean, we've been seeing this for four years where we see things come out and it's like, how in the world are they not doing something about that? I mean, I mean, we meet in, in a house with a few people and they come out here consistently. They're holding us accountable. They're trying to come after us. But, but yet all these things that we see... For the last four years, and they, they do nothing about. I guess they know people in Washington, right? Well, guess what? That's all over. Because the transparency is going to hit them. I don't know how. I think it's part of this whole thing that God's about to do show, to show his hand. But it will happen. He will be there for his children. He will vindicate his children. And by the way, not for the purpose of our vindication, so that we can feel good about being right. Who cares? Who cares? In many ways, I would wish that I was wrong. Many would wish that we were all wrong. It's not about that. It's about God's name not being dragged through the dirt anymore. And for the sake of those who love him and are intimate in relationship with him, he will not stand by any longer. We're on the precipice of what he's doing. You're seeing it. You've seen it over the last four years. And if, if I know most people in here aren't that old. <laughs> but for those of us who have got a few years on us, we look back and the world that I've known has never been like this, ever. And, and I've been up on politics ever since probably my mid-teens. It's never been like this. We are in a different time. God is making us aware of his plans. He's making us aware of the choices we're to make for him. There's an expectation of accountability placed with that. So I want to encourage you guys.
Don't be afraid. Don't be concerned. Don't be overtaken with sadness or anything like that. Because what God is doing is bringing righteousness to his bride. Not even for the sake of judgment of others, but because his holiness, his holiness requires it. You know, Jesus talked about that we're to bring his kingdom to the earth. Yeah, I never used to understand that into the last few years. I mean, I understand what his kingdom is, but but I never understood when he said that we're to do it. Isn't that something he does? But do you understand that he does it because of faith, because of our desire? When we desire him and we ask for him, when we seek him, we find him. He responds. And I just feel like it's gotten to the point where he said, I'm not going to make them wait any longer. I'm not going to make them wait any longer. I will allow my kingdom to come there. And that's what's happening. We're accountable to that. We're accountable to believe. We're accountable to trust. I'm not saying believe my voice. But you are held accountable to build your own relationship with Jesus Christ. Hear him for yourself. I'm not the leader. He is. He's the leader of everyone who is his his child. We all have the same access. We all have the same accountability. Alexis, come on up. We sang a song this one on. We sang a song at the end of the worship in a cappella, which is my one of my favorites, and even heard it in a worship song for the ladies downstairs today. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. As we look full in his wonderful face, we really will see who he is. And, you know, that's why when we worship, we magnify the name of Jesus. When he is big, when we see him, if you ever put anything under a magnifying glass and you get to see the intricacies, especially of like an insect or something, and you thought maybe it just looked like a smooth black stone, um, but yet you look at it under a microscope or a magnifying glass and you see all the parts and the details When we are in the presence of God and we see who he is, he is bigger than all of these things. And I had no idea until how the Lord's just been talking to me through Greg's message today, how significant um, even what he had me give the ladies. Are we going to walk in faith or in fear? And um, these are amazing times. And the Lord is is doing wonders among us. 
And he is asking who will be a people that will rise up and believe him and trust him. And um, I am I'm just so excited for all that God is doing, all that he has planned. And the theme that the Lord gave the women's conference that never ended up happening when COVID began was just believe. And that has been a long-running theme, to just believe. He's brought that up to me over and over again. And things are progressing. Things are ramping up. Um, No matter what you may believe or not believe about various news sources, the Lord does want us to, to cling only to him when we see a greater shaking, you know, we, we were in the book of Hebrews this morning. Well, Hebrews is where it says that all things that um, can be shaken will be shaken. And remember, um, and I've prayed this and we've talked about this, that is not for our peril. That is for our loosing of the things of this earth that he wants to have grow strangely dim. And one of the scriptures we talked about in the ladies' class was from Psalm 16. Psalm 16, 8, you know, I have set the Lord always before me. Okay, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. In this great shaking that we will see in ways we've never imagined. Some of us can imagine there are things out there that are saying that are going to begin in right at, right at or under three days in terms of a possible blackout. You know, getting gasoline in your car, getting, uh, making sure you have cash. I mean, it's buzzing everywhere. It's buzzing. These, this news source, this upheaval um, that, that is about to take place. But, you know, when you set the Lord always before you, you can both be wise and prudent and use wisdom and steward what God wants you to do in this life, but yet you're not moved in the shaking. You can literally experience the uh, atmosphere that may shake around you and yet be solid on the foundation of God. Um, We don't know what the unfolding of what God's going to do will look like, but what would it take to move you? What would it take to help you to see whether or not you really have set the Lord always before you? See, we, we don't have to fear. We can respond to information that comes to us about upsets, blackouts, whatever that may come. But yet how we respond still needs to be in Christ. Because for the believer, the true spirit-filled believer, everything if we are in Christ, everything we are in is in Christ. And that's what keeps us immovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord. First Corinthians fifteen fifty eight, which is my father, Greg mentioned last week, which is my father's life verse, uh, was his life verse. And so, um, so I just, I just feel like the, the yet again um, recurring message that he's wanted from the very beginning of when he named ignition and gave us the theme verse of Matthew six thirty three. He just truly wants us to seek him and his righteousness above all else. And then everything else will be added. All else that we need. That is the, um, that is the foundation of, of what we teach here. And yes, 
We will speak of things that are going on. As the Lord makes us aware of what the prophets are saying in end time, we are in the end times. Of course there will be other things addressed. But the real core teaching in Ignition is seeking the Lord with all your heart. Seeking his kingdom, his righteousness by faith. And walking by faith and not by sight. So that's really at the foundation of it. As other things come up, we respond and we say, Lord, what would you have us do? He will certainly never tell us to worry. Fear will never be there. But there will be things that he'll ask us to do to prepare and be ready. But we are always in him. So I love that. And um, thank you for, for this good word today. Let's, let's just pray. Father God, we just love you. We just praise you, God. And Lord, in all of our prayer calls, in all of our times when we come before you, I love hearing people pray, Lord, I trust you. God, I trust you. And Lord, I just want to pray right now for everyone listening to my voice that you would bring an encounter, a real deep personal exchange to bring about the reality, the tested reality of whether or not we really will trust you. When we experience and encounter things, that may be things we've never seen or encountered before. Because, God, you do honor our heart. And I thank you so much for that. I thank you, God. Like the, like the man that said to Jesus, I believe, but Lord, help my unbelief. It's like my heart believes, my heart trusts, but yet my flesh is weakened and sometimes gets uh, a bit wobbly. God, I pray that you would anchor us in you, that you would bring us to a place where we are so firm on the foundation of who you are in this beautiful relationship that we can hear your voice and we will not be moved by the shaking atmosphere around us God I just pray that God over each and every one Lord of of those who are listening the remnant God all across the world Lord you are you are bringing out the the true separation and as as we are able to In the moments leading up to that final separation, God, we will continue to pray that you open the eyes of your people, that you turn hearts to you that don't even yet know you. God, that people will be shaken to their faces before you to cry out to you, recognizing that sadly they have tried to do everything else but come to you, God, but you've allowed them to exhaust every other plan that they would have. And they are now, their choice only is to look to you. God, I pray that they would. I pray, God, that you would soften those hearts. You know what hearts they will be by your foreknowledge. But God, we continue to say, wake up the bride and shake up those who still think they can ride the fence. God, I pray that in your mercy and in your love, as we spoke about this morning downstairs, that you would just make them miserable who are resisting you. Because, oh God, you are the answer to every misery. You are the answer to removing that when we just place ourselves in your hands. God, I just pray for that. We love you, God. You are worthy. You are worthy of all to worship you. No other God, just you. And for everyone, not even just your your creation of mankind, but all creation, the heavens and the earth, you are worthy to be worshipped by everything, God.
because you are Elohim, our creator God. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.